The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 131 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. My name's Corey. My name is Michelle. And I'm Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. Back for another week with some actual news. I'm happy about that this week. We don't have to stretch and bend into human pretzels to squeeze two hours out of a show. I'm, I'm thrilled about that. But um, what's going on, guys? We, it's, it's, a, it's a Father's Day weekend, so happy Father's Day to Corey and Carlos and all of our pals out there who happen to be dads or uncles and whatnot. Hope you guys had and a great well. weekend. So, everyone, everyone doing all right? Yeah. We all sound like in the pre-show. We all sound a little bit tired and and preoccupied. We yeah, do so. sound very tired, <laughs> all of us. That's yeah, it's summer, man. Like full swing. So the sun takes a beating on you, man. When when you're just outside doing things all day, it's like, oh man, after dinner, it's feels like bedtime. Oh, yeah. I'm just uh, I, I just sound tired because I lost my voice Friday watching uh, Portugal and Spain in the World Cup. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, it was uh, probably one of the best World Cup games I've ever seen. Um, and you know, the tie result wasn't like you know super result to be ecstatic about, but I mean, it was just awesome game from start to finish. So well, those are two good sides, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, finished three three, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo actually uh, scored a hat trick. Uh, the guy is uh, unbelievable. So that's why my voice is a little, uh, a little raw, a little bit of a, a little <laughs> raw timber to it, you know. That's alright. You can just say you're all, you know, gigging at a at a club on Saturday night and screaming your guts out. Yeah, I wish that's good. <laughs> Has to start happening soon. Oh man, so a quiet week for me on social media last week, following the the ugliness of two weeks ago. Not that I was taking a break, but it, like I was just so busy last week at work and whatnot that I, I feel somewhat disconnected. Like I I was just sort of popping in and out, saying hi to people here and there when I could, and retweeting stuff. But I, I feel out of the loop. I miss you guys. And that goes for everybody out oh. there. I miss all you guys. Um. So last week we uh, had ourselves a little Han Solo quiz. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did you listen back to that episode, Carlos? <laughs> I tried, <laughs> tried connecting to the show, and uh, I, it appears I was uh, I was too late, and uh, and all of a sudden there's uh, there's these, these made up rules, and. Uh, <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> Results that are you know rounded up to the dust, like the Kessel Run, you know, rounded down. Deferred. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Actually, no. I'm very. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I would have. The, the the whole defer thing is is was my idea from the last Jedi quiz. So I really was not angry at all, and uh, I'm happy that um, that Steve got the uh, the Han Solo, uh, 40th anniversary figure. 
And uh, it was a fun quiz. And I'm happy. You know what? The moral victory for me is that uh, nobody got more right answers than I did. Well, there you go. And I don't even know if Steve knows yet because he was busy uh, at the Uh-oh. first annual Intergalacticon. But well, now you you I didn't say Steve Kirk. You you just you just gave it away right now. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. At this point, <laughs> spo- the the spoiler sh- shield is done. Steve, congratulations <laughs> if you didn't know already. <laughs> but Intergalacticon in San Diego seemed to go really well. A lot of pictures nice. coming on the Instagram feed. It looked like it was a great time. And I will get out to one of those one day, if as long as the show that show continues on. I'm going to get out there one of those days and check it out. Looks like a good. Oh, time. definitely. I've been to, I've been to San Diego and uh, what a beautiful. I just love it. So yeah, so Steve, congratulations, and Jeff tied tied with Steve. That was a, an exceptional four way result there. But uh, Corey and Carlos, you guys you guys don't count. So. Really, was a time. You know what's funny about that? When I was, I listened back to the episode, and uh, you know, I had answered if I was one of the only people I think you had said that answered if that three PO and R two were going to be in it. So had I not answered that, but it still would have been a defer. Well, it would have it would have changed the game a little. Yeah, like James said, I think James had a great point that if you win it outright, then then again. It is a bad look for the people who write the questions to actually have a shot oh, yeah. at winning, even though you guys were on the same level as everybody else. And I don't think anybody would truly complain. I still think it's it's a bit of a, a fishy look. Wow. I just uh, we were talking about it after after the show and just it's all about the glory, man. I would totally even if I won by like 10 answers, I would have been like if I went 31 for 30 <laughs> this time, you know? Yeah, that, that, that would have been like a humble brag. Yeah, yeah. I don't need your peasant prize. Oh, I have it. <laughs> Plus, there is anyway. Whatever. I did love that toy. Would have been, would have been back home. But all right. Well, uh, collecting update. Anybody got anything this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, any new Hi. candles to tell us about? Any any new soaps or uh, scents? No, I actually have. Um non-toiletry items <laughs> as part of my collection update. um i got uh, i finally got to see one of my friends um at a graduation party on like a few days ago and he gave me like my christmas slash birthday present and it was the holographic vinyl of um the force awakens Yes, nice. with the Millennium Falcon on one side and the tie. I think it's a Tie Fighter. It's a Tie Fighter, yeah. Right, that Very one. Cool. And then, um, yeah, it was so cool. And then they gave me this really cute, really large kind of like um like friends like the show friends style size like coffee mugs the really big ones and it's white with like a gold handle and there's little mint green at ats like on the bottom just like all the way around. And it's so cute. <laughs> and that's cute. like the first mug that's in my apartment right now. And my first vinyl that's in my new apartment right now. So, yeah, it makes me really happy to look at them. <laughs> but, yeah, those are my collection updates. I'm really excited about the um, the vinyl, though. It's so That cool. is cool. That is a cool. I always wanted to get that one. And I've never seen it in person. I think I could have ordered it off Amazon, but the price was just way out there. So I, I skipped yeah, it. I'm so happy that I that he gave it to me as a gift. It's amazing i was like they were all my friends always tell me it's really hard to buy me gifts apparently because they're like you're so hard to shop for like you already have a lot of stuff and i'm like yeah i know 
But then I was just like, this is probably the best gift for me because I don't have it. And I was like really excited. I don't know why. I just need to collect more weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so if I got, uh, if anybody's interested, I got myself a Funko Hera this weekend. Ooh. As well as a pair of Hans Lucky Dice. Which oh, are pretty cool. wait. I got a necklace of, I totally forgot. I got a necklace of Hans dice, the gold ones. It's like a gold necklace and then you can tie it around your neck a little bit and then it like hangs. It's really cute. That's my other collection update. Sorry. Nice. Good job. Hans Lucky Dice. I think that's going to become a, a little bit of a collectible that people want now. So guys, we're going to start getting some episode nine news fairly soon, I think, whether through legitimate sources or uh, leaks and whatnot. But J.J. Abrams is going on the Late Late Show this week with James Corden on the 19th, which in in Kigo, in Kigo land, that is actually like June 24th or something like that. Um, I, I think it's unlikely he'll give us any good info, something that we can really talk about. But he'll I think he'll say something to the effect that uh, we've got a script and we start shooting Next month in wherever it is they're going first. I think that's probably all he'll give us. But it's exciting because, I mean, this is him just just starting that, that awareness campaign that Star Wars is, is yeah, the machine is still humming along. So check that out. That'll be the 19th. Set your PVRs. And also, just on that note, James Corden also has on the 21st, he's got Foo Fighters and Paul McCartney. <gasps> Ooh. So they they've got to do some kind of car karaoke with those with with those guys. Yeah, that, that sounds killer. sounds true. I don't think he's done one with Paul McCartney yet. He's definitely not done no. one with Paul McCartney and the Foo Fighters, and they need to do that. Oh yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. I like when they did. I think didn't they? They've done the Foo Fighters before, right? I feel like he's done them, yes. and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it was, was really good. good. Yeah, they it stopped was one at of my a favorites. big, big. Yeah, they stopped at this massive music store, and James Corden's like, "I, I can drum just like you." <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah, that was good. All right. Well, we can jump into uh, a couple of news items for this week, which which are pretty cool. I think we'll see. We'll see what we can do with them here. Uh, but Ram Bergman, producer from the Last Jedi, like Ryan Johnson's right hand man. Hinting that the Ryan Johnson trilogy release date and underscoring the the idea that this will be all new. So there's a quote here that he's got that said that the question from uh, he was speaking with from the grapevine. And the question to him was, you're working on three new Star Wars movies. What can you reveal about them? And Ram said, it's a completely new trilogy that writer director Ryan Johnson, my partner, is going to create. It's all new characters. Everything is new. So we talked about this way, way back when, I think November of 2017, when they first announced this. But let's see if our thoughts have changed. And let me start with Michelle, because you weren't with us in November of 2017. What do you think of a new series of Star Wars films completely detached from what we know, everything, everyone that we know in Star Wars? I don't know. I feel like it could go, it could be very great. And it could also be very scary. <laughs> but I mean, I really did enjoy Rogue One. And I know that there were some, obviously, there are some characters involved, but a lot of those characters were completely new to a lot of people. So, and a lot of people liked that movie. So I feel like under the right direction, it could be pretty great. Um, and it depends on the stories. 
Um, but I w- I'm really excited to see more of the of the universe and the galaxy just because it's just such a wide like universe that I mean every planet you go to like you get to see different styles of life and the way that they kind of live on that planet and I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed about Rogue One to be able to get to see different parts of the universe and same with Solo as well like getting to see you know um just a different side to a lot of places that we had heard a lot of so it could be really cool and interesting. I'm always kind of open-minded about those things. I think I'm kind of just, I I was saying this the other night, well, last night when I went to see The Incredibles, it's like really hard to find a, a movie now or a story that completely surprises me in a way that like, I don't, when I'm watching it, I'm not like, oh, that's logically, this is where the story is going to go. And then there, this person's going to say that. And I can usually guess what the next dialogue is when I'm watching a movie. And so it would be nice to see something completely new and be able to be like totally wowed and surprised and not have any kind of sort of expectation going into it. Um, Hopefully they can keep it. I can stay relatively spoiler free, but I think it could be pretty cool. Um, And I think it should be interesting. Yeah, it it should definitely be. Oh, boy. I, as I'll, long I'll, as they I'll don't the do guys... another Death Star. Oh, Can we geez. just please oh, no. make sure that they're not <laughs> doing another Death Star? Like, I hope it isn't, like, behind the scenes, like, people who are creating, like, the wielder, the what? Welders and stuff. Because I just, I don't want to see a Death Star again. I'm the, over the, it. The like, killing cube. Ugh, just go away. So, Corey, uh, Carlos, have your thoughts on this changed at all in the last six, seven months? Or how do you feel about something completely new? All right. I'll stop in here. I don't know. Um well first and foremost i want to say like between then and now uh back then i'm pretty sure i was quite stoked for it and now knowing that what ryan johnson's actually done with star wars i'm more stoked for it because i i think the guy's a total pro total professional and personally he's the man for the job uh so i'm super interested and the sense of i'm okay with it like yeah i'm totally okay with it i mean it just means new characters like new timeline possibly and and the brand itself kind of needs to grow and evolve i think you know like uh it's going to be done at one point and i mean they've owned the franchise since 2012 now you know or by the time this comes out he said possibly two years maybe in the mm-hmm. article so you know i mean it's it's getting to be that time where we got to move on from this time period and this familiar sandbox we've been playing in for so long and, and branch out so I, i'm really hungry for details uh where what we're going to be dealing with, like who the characters are, uh, and most importantly to me personally is, are we dealing with the force? Like that's what I'm always. That's what I'm about, man. Like I want to know if it's just going to be some cr- crew, like you know, like a like a Rogue One ish thing, or is it going to be you know, like way back in the past? I have no clue, but I, personally, I really hope Ryan Johnson digs deeper into like the force and. I don't know, like just setting up like this, what it could be or what it once was. So I'm super on board. I, I think this is what Star Wars needs right now. I, I agree that we need we need a new direction. Not not because the current one is bad or boring or used up, but there's only there's only so much mining we can do. I think in this, you know, episode one through nine time frame. I think we've beaten this horse enough. We've we've kind of squeezed the sponge for as much story as. Much, as much useful story as we can get. 
and I'm okay with with what we have as far as content goes. But like, I'm I'm curious as to what Lucasfilm wants this trilogy, Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, to feel like. Like when they kicked off this new era in 2012, and I guess really in, in 2015, they mentioned that they wanted to capture the spirit of the franchise that Luke Lucas gave it, you know, 40 years ago. Like, do they want that spirit as part of this new trilogy? Like, is should Lucas's shadow loom over everything? That's something I've been thinking about. My, I think my, you know, my heart says yes, of course. I mean, you should always honor Lucas with what you're doing, but my brain says no. You don't have to. I don't know that you really need to do that. Like, but they've hired you know so many different people from Favreau and and. Filoni and the Game of Thrones guys and Johnson. Like, how how can they expect everybody that they bring in to capture Lucas's spirit? Like, it's that's a really tough ask. I don't know if it's Lucas's spirit per se, but just like the the essence of Star Wars to a certain degree, anyhow. Like, well, yeah, like, like all, how, all the how's films. Everybody and... going to capture that? It's it's kind well, of strange to me. Now, if, if if that's an expectation, like, how do they do that? I guess there's some kind of formula or something because everything that's come out thus far, like including the animation stuff, is you know it's had that I don't know that Star Wars field, even even though that they're they're all a little different. Well, Carlos, what do you think about all this? Is uh, I don't I don't think we asked you way back when. I think I think James was still with us at that point. But what is, what's your take on this whole thing? Are we okay with completely new or? Does, does some form of Star Wars as we know it need to be a part of Johnson's trilogy? Um, just uh, remind me quick, quick, what the timeline is, uh, because is, is we don't it know way yet. In the past? We don't know. It's no not, it's clue. Not way in the past. That's, okay, so then everything's open. Uh, when uh, you look at what Ryan did uh, with the Last Jedi, like some people didn't like it. Everybody's allowed to be wrong. It's okay. Um. <laughs> um I think he, like Corey said, he captured the essence of Star Wars. Um, as long as that's still in whatever story he's trying to tell, then I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't think that it has to have uh, X, Y, Z necessarily uh, to be a Star Wars film, but. As long as that essence is there, because there is this the essence of everything. What makes a Star Wars movie a Star Wars movie is the fun. There, there there's always a little bit of fun. Uh, yeah, well, it's in, it, I know what you mean. It's, it's there's an accessibility and a and a uh, for lack of a better word, a childlike quality to to Star Wars. Like George Lucas it's said, it's for twelve year old right? kids, right? There's yeah, there's the yeah. And, you know, as much as I love The Last Jedi, like, Lord knows I love that movie, but I don't see it as a movie that is particularly geared towards kids. Like, it seems to be a bit more of, of heavy fare that they deal with in this movie. Sure. Like, I, I from that movie, like, I don't know Ryan Johnson's other work very well, but I don't get the sense from The Last Jedi that Ryan Johnson can write for kids with kids in mind, if you know what I mean. Maybe he can. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but... Yeah, with a clean slate, not having to continue someone else's story, I I have pretty a pretty high degree of faith that this trilogy is gonna is gonna be really really good. At the very least, it'll be really interesting. See, for me, the, the whole twelve year old thing is it's a little uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That was George's way of explaining it. 
but for me it's it's the fun it's it's just like there's an adventure happening there's yeah okay you know what it's the situation's dire but something's going on in the background that is exciting and has the potential you know to to turn the tide and there's there's always that element that little element of fun so that that as long as there's that you know a new hope had it was full of that absolutely that's what everybody that's what everybody loved about it it was like oh look at that hey let's let's go here let's go there this is fun this is fun let's swing from here it was like it was not that, and that's exactly why people our age keep looking back or or keep you know projecting onto these new movies the nostalgia that we felt then like these new movies must make me feel like that seven-year-old when I first saw A New Hope. Yeah. That's the, what we the, keep waiting for. Exactly. But today, movie making, like the best movies, that there's there's a thing that's like, there's nuance. And A New Hope had no nuance. <laughs> there was no nuance to that movie. So, you know, you got to give and take a little bit. It can't, you can't, it can't be all one thing. You have to have enough different elements to make the movie more appealing than for 12 year olds so that's why i think lucas is wrong and that's why well we're, we're gonna probably talk a little bit more about george coming up but there's you know well i wouldn't say he's wrong it's like layers of an onion you know like to a certain degree like children can enjoy it and then like people like us you know once we get a bit older it's like you can study this this stuff at the university level if you want like you know with the ring theory and all that like sure there's, there's so many no, ways but- of looking at it yeah, no, for sure. But George did say, like Kyle stated earlier, that it was for twelve-year-olds. So yeah, the like, whole Buck Rogers thing. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Anyways, either well, I way, think that's sort I, of like I, I that... trust Ryan. I yeah yeah definitely I definitely trust Ryan. Um. So let's Michelle. I'm going to come back to you for for this. So that also went on to ask Ryan, what's the plan for releasing the first one? And Ryan replied, I can't tell you because we don't know yet. Maybe in two years, it's just in the early stages. So Isn't it years, Ram? Ram or Ram? Whatever. Is, it, is that important to you? I don't know. You said Ryan. <laughs> oh, did I? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You did say Ryan. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> I totally knew who you were talking about, but like, I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Hey, I've got a heat like, stroke. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's okay. We're all a little un- like tired today. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes sense. So um, yeah, Ron yeah, Bergman just said we don't know. Is is yeah two years? We don't know. Maybe in two years is just the early stages. I mean that makes sense to me in a in a way because if you think about, I mean they were just announced right like mm, November, November right? I mean that makes sense. It doesn't really seem like from the um the prep schedules and the pre-production and all of that schedules for all the other movies. I feel like there was more of kind of, um, it was a longer route for them to get to like where they know what the story is going to be and all of the details and, um, like a release date and all that stuff. I think it's definitely probably too soon for that. And then once they kind of break the story, they'll probably be able to kind of schedule, and figure out where they need to go for how long and what scenes they need to shoot. And then that will make more sense in terms of how long they'll need to be in production and then post-production, depending on how much CGI they're planning on doing. So it makes sense to me that it would probably be, I mean, two years is, is not really that 
far away at all no like, it's, it's, it's like, actually would, kind of close if they hit if like, I feel if like, yeah if, i mean if they're looking at the may time slot for 2020 that's less than two years yeah. Yeah, so you, they could be also looking at 20 uh, christmas 2020 right so that's two and a half years which is as I mean, far as they're concerned a world of difference yeah i mean like, it, is, it, is, yeah. is it clear in this article and saying that you know release 2020 or production 2020 releasing it says what's the plan for releasing the first one Jeez. and he said maybe in two years it's still the early stages I mean, but if you think about how long Ryan Johnson was in pre-production for Last Jedi, too, like, wasn't that also, like, long? Didn't they shoot? They started shooting a while ago before it came out. He, he lived at Lucas Ranch for that. Yeah. Well, think, about, it, think like, about what's going on with Episode Nine. Like, they're, sh- they're starting shooting next month. And, yeah. and it's for a, a July 2020 release. Or, sorry, a December 2020 July. release. December, uh, 2019, yeah. sorry. 2019. So yeah, that's a year and change. So I mean, if they start, if they start shooting in January but of that, 2019, but they already knew the story though. Like it doesn't seem like they know. Well, I mean, maybe they're not saying it. Well, yeah. if he says 2020, that that's what I'm like putting out there. Like if he said 2020 release, that would mean to me personally that, you know, granted Ryan's probably been thinking about this thing forever, this story. So when in November when they announced that it was a go. He obviously had something in the works, so yeah. I would he think they're pretty far along them. at this point where they need to be. You know, they're saying tw- possibly two years. That's that's very bold, in my opinion. Yeah, especially when it's all new characters and everything is new. Like, even if you're telling a story in an existing universe, there is still a lot of world building that he'll need to kind of work on to make everything make sense and. Um, to make all the relationships stick and all that. I mean, if they, if, as long as he's trying, if he's trying to make it different from any of the other films, instead of trying to make a film that is in the vein of one of the OT films or something that gives you like nostalgia vibes. But I mean, yeah, it does seem kind of short too. I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like to me, like yeah. if, if he said that, it means that they're much further along than I think we were expecting at this point. Yeah, because like there's another. Heavy... Yeah, that make. I mean, I would have been. I would have thought maybe like four years would make more sense. But if I, they I was always thinking 2021. But yeah, it sounds well. You know what? I wonder if they're, if if I, I if I had to put money down right now, I would say they they're going to go with the 2020 December release. And I I don't know. I have nothing to base that on. But I think they're going to put their their episodic movies in December. And if they have standalones, they'll sync those in May. And they yeah. might tweak it according <laughs> based on what's happened this this year. Um, but I feel like they want to own they might want to own uh, the Christmas slot with their big episodic release. So that's I mean, that's, again, based on absolutely nothing. But one thing I'm I haven't considered until thinking about this news piece is that like depending on how ryan's new trilogy is viewed and that like at any stage whether it's news leaks during production to like our first looks at characters or locations uh, to trailers and finally the release it's all going to reflect back on the last jedi and either it's going to help its reputation with fandom or it's going to beat it up a little more i really think that this movie and then going further into the trilogy is really going to have an impact on how people look at The Last Jedi. You know what sucks too? Like, the haters, man. The haters oh, are going to cause no, such Westford. bad publicity around that. Yeah, they're going like, to slap Ryan, their gums. They're, they're, they're going to do what they do. 
that you know we, we we've wasted enough time with these people. No, but a lot of common folk don't get that, you know, like <laughs> common folk, the commoners, like, like people who aren't following Star Wars news like us don't necessarily know that there's this extreme level of toxicity. So when they hear these articles, they might just click, click and take it for what it are, the headlines say, you know, they believe the clickbait, you know, people who don't know better, you know, they're not, again, part of our like, uh, like. The heart of fandom kind of you know what i mean like but there are people with really the pulse on star wars right like i know people like you know they, they you know i've had a few questions about what's going on with solo and you know a little ribbing here and there I, was like, I don't know it's upsetting don't take it personally Corey. you had nothing to do with it well i guess, <sighs> I guess that the haters kind of prov- provide a nice segue into these into this next topic oh it's a perfect segue <laughs> Looks well, all the people who chased Lucas out of fandom now want to bring Lucas back and chase Kathleen Kennedy out. But <laughs> I know this would happen. Um, people don't know what they want. But George uh, gave us a, a little look into the, um, I guess, what what episode his versions of episode seven to nine would have looked like, and it's weird. <laughs> this comes from uh, Insight Editions, and it's got a companion book. Uh, to uh, James Cameron's story of science fiction series on AMC. So, <laughs> I bet Corey loves this. We'll get, we'll get to Corey in a second here. But it's going back to the, the midichlorians. Oh boy! So George Lucas said the next three Star Wars films were going to get into a microbiotic world, but there's this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the Wills, and the Wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the Force. If I'd held on to the company, I would have done it. And then it would have been done. Of course, a lot of the fans would have hated it, just like they did Phantom Menace and everything. But at least the whole story from beginning to end would be told. Corey, I know you read this and you're probably like drooling. (laughs) What's your thoughts on George's ideas for 7 to 9? Well, first of all, I just want to make it very clear that, you know, we've had an argument back in the day, Michelle, that uh, midichlorians were a huge part of the force and how the force needed to be, how the force could be used by wielders and you know the original ot kind of led you to believe more or less that almost anyone could be a jedi yeah devout concentration the prequels kind of contradicted that the sequel trilogy is kind of to me going in the direction that it may be possible for anyone again but george's the create the creator the maker it was obviously a big part of what he considered star wars was and you know, like they were a factor in people wielding the force. Like, well, well George I, I, always maintained in an interview from like before Jedi came out. He said that anybody could could do it if but the, they, I, if, I think if they focused hard enough and practiced hard enough, anybody could do it. That's what he said. Well, I think the higher the metachlorian count, the easier it is facilitated or whatever. There's a factor there yeah, that's sure. very evident, especially if he was planning a trilogy on it. <laughs> So, I don't know, like right off the bat, like I find it very weird on a microscopic level. Like, what is that? Like, what's going on there? It kind of like really rings to me like uh, it gives me a fraggle rock vibe <laughs> along with the dark crystal. Yeah, like, dark like, crystal. Yeah, dude, like they're I feeding off the crystal. force, like essence, <laughs> you know, like they're, I don't know, it's just really odd. I really find that very interesting. Well, I, 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 I think this is Lucas 
toying with fans a bit. He's being a bit antagonistic, right? I, uh, that's the way I read it. Like, I look at that quote and, and he says... I, I was actually... I think he's being truthful and I think this, the quote is actually quite sad. Well, no, I, like, I, no, no, like he... I, I think there's truth in what he's saying, but I think he's playing up the angle that he knows fans will, will bristle at. So, like, I mean, look at the quote. He goes, fans would have hated it. Like, right away, he's coming from a place of defensiveness. Like, he's still very hurt and bitter at fandom for the way Yeah, but he was like, straight him. up, I would have told, told the story I wanted to tell like I did. And that's oh, what yeah. I do. And he should, and he did, and he would do it again if he had to. But, you know, like I said, he's, he's still really bitter at fans. And I think he doesn't really mind taking the opportunity to sort of poke the bear. And like, I, I think, I think the conversation. I mean, wouldn't you kind of be though? Like oh, yeah. when this is your Absolutely. story that like, especially as a writer too, like is your story that you want to tell. And I know a lot of friends who have written trilogies and stuff and they have to write these like essays to the fans, like when they're releasing the last book in a series, because they're like, you know, I'm telling the story I want to. And, you know, obviously once it leaves my my laptop or my position other people get to read it that becomes you know the viewer's story or the reader's story and they can kind of take it yeah and it's the death of the author but at the end of the day like you can't like bitch at the person for giving you a story that you know they told if you don't like it then write fan fiction and put it on Wattpad (laughs) like you know it's just there or you can just go straight to Wattpad and read all of the many different like types of fan fiction there are like even in Harry Potter there's like people who ship all these different characters together who hate each other or whatever i'm sure there's a crap ton for star wars but like you know at the end of the day like it's his story and i'm sure george is probably thinking like you know there's probably always going to be a part of him that thinks like what if i didn't let these people like get to me and get in my head and I had kept it and I was able to tell the story. So I feel like there probably is a part of him that's kind of annoyed because he has to watch other people like because he can tell the new directors and the new producers and the new writers like what his intentions are. But like the people who are making the movie can ignore him. They don't have to listen to oh, him. Oh, that, that's what happened. So, and that's what's happening, obviously. So, you know, it's probably hard for him, too, to have been someone who created this insane movement and um, whole universe of people who are in love with this story, but not being able to finish it because of the people that he created the story for. It's, I mean, it's such a weird cyclical cycle, but it's just... I'm, I'm sure he's, I would be annoyed. I would be upset. I would think, you know, what if I had stayed and told that story? Like, how would Star Wars look now? Like, I'm sure he has that thought a lot. I would. Yeah. Four, I four would. billion. Four For billion sure. makes him feel a bit better, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure. three of which but he like, gave he's, away. Plus, he's yeah, rich. Like, come on. Dude, that, like, that's, that's tax. To him, it's deductible. probably like, you know, <laughs> pennies. He's I mean, still a very, very, very wealthy man. But I, I yeah, think the conversation funny. around this specific thing, like people freaking out that, oh, midi-chlorians are back and this would have been a, this weird trippy trilogy of Star Wars stuff that would have been really esoteric and, and meta and so, so weird. Like, I think that offshoot of the conversation really got away from fandom a little bit. Like, I don't yeah. think it would have been that at all. Like, I, I think we we still would have had spaceships and lightsabers and all the things that we're used to. And I think just like midi-chlorians were exposition in The Phantom Menace, I think the wills would have been expo- exposition in this trilogy. They feed off them. They're controlling, like... Ah, I don't know why, so but I got, that, I got that image of an avatar when they're, like, connected to that tree. 
Do you remember that when the Avatar people like connected the tree in the movie? Not mm-hmm. not the Avatar Last Airbender, but like the Avatar with the blue aliens. Yeah. Then Never they connect it. the tree and they they like think about it. That that's what I felt like when they were talking about like they feed off of it. That's like the image I got of like aliens like clinging to a tree and like I got the dark crystal. The dark crystal too. I mean, I I can't believe I didn't think of that immediately. But you're right, dark crystal. I, I also I don't know if you ever seen this episode of Futurama, but God, uh, what's it called? I think it's called Godfather, uh, Godfellas, and Bender's oh, like a god, so and funny. he's floating around in space, and he's got this society living on him. You know, <laughs> it's just like it just like zoom. It's like I can just see the action and happening, and then you like zoom into the microscopic level where the wills are like. Meh. Oh, well, I saw it? some people refer to this as uh, Star Wars meets Osmosis Jones, and I'm like, get out of here! That's not what would happen here. Enough with the, stop with the hyperbole, internet. I know it's hard, but just stop. Carlos, like, what, well, was, way, your thought, what was Carlos your thought on this? Uh, George can go away now. We don't need to hear him talk anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. At a certain point, it's like. Oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. Yeah, okay. Armchair quarterback. Great. Get lost. It's enough. Dude, that, he's just answering questions from an interview. Like, what okay. do you want him to do? Go make a go. Go meet up with Francis Ford Coppola and make wine. Do something else. <laughs> Dude, the he's fourth... doing an interview. He sound like such a dink being like, I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> Whatever. Like, moving on. Yes, exactly. Well, whatever. I think I think it would have been. I'm more interested now. Like, I want more details on what he had planned. Oh, I hope oh, what more details of something you're never gonna get. Ugh, please. Reality. I love details. stuff like that. I bought I bought the original The Star Wars, like the original, like well, these comic books they made a few years back that were like, well based on what his Star Wars was supposed screenplay. to be. Yeah, it's messed and up. And I think that stuff super. It's messed up, but I I still think it's very interesting. Like I love that kind of stuff, and I would have. I'd like to know where he was going. Well, I'd like this trilogy to finish first, personally, and then compare it to what he had planned because we know that they are still taking tidbits here and there from what he had planned. Well, that's asked, exactly I also, it. I think I think they're they are doing what Lucas would have done, but just in a, they're taking a different route to get there. I don't think they're they're I think they're steering clear of midi chlorians and the wills and all this microscopic mumbo jumbo, and they're just finding other avenues to get there, like this whole idea yeah. of you know uh, the force. Uh, preordaining destinies on people. And we see two characters in this trilogy who are pushing back against their idea of destiny. Like Kylo Ren is pulling, you know, pushing away from the light, this call to the light that he keeps feeling. He's, he's resisting that. And, and, you know, relay is Ray is reluctant to embrace her power. You know what I mean? Like, but now she's on board. I feel like we're, we're already touching on these things, but we're just skipping the, uh, the microbiotics. What they kind of say in the article as well is that uh, JJ kind of stepped it back a bit, whereas Lucas's part one were, would have been Luke with Kira originally, or now Ray. And JJ said, you know what, like, I'm going to kind of leave that storyline for episode two and see where they go from there. But I, I kind of felt like if there's a conclusion to this Skywalker saga, like, and this is actually it from no more after nine. And I've, I've said, like, I'm kind of an advocate of that. I'd like this story to conclude. Lucas wanted a conclusion. Maybe they can take it in the sense where, you know, we said the Force awakens. Like, maybe the Force can sleep or die, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, what if Whoa, the Force at one point hand. is no more? 
the force like, the, the can conclusion. Die? What if the force, basically, the, or the metachlorians, whatever it is, uh, they cease to exist in that universe after the events of episode nine, where people just go about and ordinarily, ordinarily live their lives instead of having this this preordained system, and that's like the conclusion. Like Kylo and Ray end it all. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Really is. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I have it no idea. It was inspired by thinking of what Luke, what Lucas said, you know, like, why would the Metachlorians come into play so big and what he's thinking about, you know? So I kind of said, well, maybe he wanted it all to conclude and end somehow. They get a virus. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. That's, I feel like there's a lot of explaining to do there. I feel like just it's, this is just heading back towards balance. Anyway, I, I feel like the, 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 the whole idea of destiny is, you know, what the wills and the midi-chlorians, that's what he was talking about. And I feel like we're we're talking, we're already there. Just minus the wills and minus midi-chlorians. I like wills. It's more mysterious. Instead well, of microscopic will. bacteria. Maybe Ryan will bring it to, bring your dreams to, to fruition with his trilogy. Anybody else uh, on this topic? Nope. No. <laughs> Carlos, nope. Please, let's move on. <laughs> anyway, I think I again, I think the key to this is Lucas being antagonistic. I think he's really just trying to piss people off. And it's working. I don't I I really don't think this would have been any bigger of a deal than Midi Chlorians were in the Phantom Menace. But I don't think he was trying to piss anybody down. off. I think he was just trying to answer questions truthfully for someone yeah but he didn't have to say the fans would have hated it like he's saying why didn't he have to say it because it's not necessary it. he could have just said oh yeah it would have been about the wills and microbiotics and he could have just said what the story was about but he went he went right to that the fans would have hated it like he's that's you know what he, on he's the front right. of his mind he he's calling out the, the toxicity of fandom no he's not he has no idea what's going on in fandom he doesn't care <laughs> You think he's well, waking up did, and browsing Star Wars news on Monday morning? Ooh, obviously, if he made the comment, it's on his mind. Yeah, because <laughs> like he obviously because fans drove him nuts for, from 1999 until, or even earlier, from the time he did the special editions until he finished the prequels. People were on his case, telling him exactly. how much he ruined Star Wars and air quotes raped my childhood. Like that, that that's what he's where he's coming from when he says the fans would have hated it. He's not doing it because of recent toxicity no way he's doing it because he's not necessarily personally recent jaded. toxicity but toxicity in general that he's been de dealing with like you said for so long like good for him for saying it <laughs> and he's right i i know he's right but he it didn't have to be part of this answer for the for the interview like i he said it specifically to rile people up i think it doesn't rile me up i think he's nailed the yes i I, I know but we're we're, we're we're speaking two different languages here. That's not something he needed to say. He could have just uh, said. I disagree. He could have just stated what what it was going to be about instead of going right to the oh fans would have hated it. Like he's he knows he's antagonizing the people that would love to slap him for what what he did to Star Wars. Anyway, no need to run around in circles here. We are <laughs> we are done with the news this week. They did have a quick little thing on Star Wars detours, perhaps coming back. Uh, and I, I hope that sees the light of day and makes it to the Disney streaming service, as per the rumor. But uh, we'll we'll leave that for now, and we'll wait for uh, official confirmation. But it's going to happen. 
I, well, I think so. Why? Why we've there's what six, uh, 62 episodes, thirty two episodes, thirty nine or something. Thirty nine filmed and done in the can. Sixty two scripts written. Yeah, for sure. Content, man. They need content for this service. And yeah, like why? Why have that much locked up and let it sit forever? No way. We'll see that at some point. I'm sure. But anyway, let's let's go grab our break and then we'll come back and we'll treat ourselves to some great questions in the binary sunset. Even everyone, I hope everyone is good. So my question this week, again, heavily uh, influenced by Solo, which character introduction have you enjoyed the most from from all the Star Wars films that that we've had? the pleasure of, of watching i mean i was thinking of um emphas nest in solo when she flew in when there was the star wars uh, great train robbery taking place um but there's plenty of other examples of you know when we have first seen a star wars character that may have turned into a loved individual uh, through many films or perhaps just a one-off so have a play around with that uh have some fun uh with it hopefully and um i'll look forward to listening have a good show take care bye all right there goes ads with another awesome question this week the guy's a magician ads good job buddy all right carlos i'm coming to you first on this one your favorite character introduction uh, I'm gonna quarry this one, and I'm gonna give you twelve. <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> well, there's the iconic. I think if anybody dropped this one as their top, it's cheating. But the hello there um, from a New Hope, just meeting Obi Wan that way, I think was, you know, I think that should be on everybody's list. That's a good one. Um, yep. I, yeah. Well, it's it's the harp in the background, right? As he removes his hood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you're like good guy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I uh, I took the liberty of uh, spoiling that for everybody. Uh, but I'm gonna go to. It, it's kind of cool, in a way, and it it quickly gets ruined uh, <laughs> by George. But um, it's when um, the. Uh, the emperor is actually uh, talking to the trade federation and, and he, he announces to them that he'll be sending his apprentice, Darth Maul. <gasps> and and he, he walks into the hologram and then they're like, oh, there are two of them. What are we going to do? It's like, okay, well, you just ruined it, but cool. <laughs> it was a cool scene until then. And uh, yeah, so that's my, uh, I think that's my, my one, because th- I mean, the Phantom Menace could have been fantastic. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And there was just so many terrible decisions made. Um, but having Maul kind of walk back in, like walk into that hologram with Sidious right next to him. Yeah, that, that, that for me was like, ooh, bad guy. Well, he just, he just looks like the devil. I mean, that's, yeah. that was the idea when they were, I think when they were designing Darth Maul was, I think George had asked the, the designers to come up with their worst nightmare. More evil. 
And then someone came up with a sketch more for, for uh, what eventually became Mother Talzin, of you know the Dathomir witch. Yep. And he was like, "Ooh, okay, not not maybe not that nightmarish." That Darth Maul like makeup though, the red and black, it's very similar to the um, devil makeup that and mask they use in Kabuki in Japanese theater. Yes. It's also very like red and black and. Like I kind of feel like partially it was a little influenced by oh, the theater because you know considering that the whole series and trilogy was inspired by Kurosawa and Japanese you know samurai warriors and that type of film. So I, I that's one of the things that um, I know that my my family on my, Jap- my the Japanese side of my family really kind of immediately connected to when they saw him. They're like, oh, bad. Like that's just not just uh, like from that face because that's just it's so ingrained in our culture that that's the bad mask that they use yeah that's and, uh, bad yeah. guy <laughs> and i just i thought that that was really cool that even in those small moments they're still he's still infusing that kind of original idea and inspiration that he got from hidden fortress kind of into the whole fabric of of everything and whether or not it was intentional it seems intentional to us like from a Japanese perspective. So I know that they really connected. And I think that's there that Darth Maul has a huge following out there because of that reason too. Yeah. Well, I, you know, when I, when I watch big hero six, you know, there's a, a Kabuki mask in yes. that movie as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's primarily white, but it has right. red markings and, and yellow eyes. And it's, I can't say mm-hmm. it's Darth Maulish, but I think it, it, they both come from the same place. Yeah, they're very. There's different versions of the mask too, and there's different types of oni, which is the Japanese word for devil. Um, but the classic is the red and black with the weird, like yellow, very round, bulgy type eyes, and yeah, it's very similar to that whole look. And a lot of them have those horns and things like that as well. So it's pretty cool to kind of see um, just how similar they made that, but also unique enough in a way that it's not exactly the same but you can tell it's inspired by and i really love how they kind of took that and made it their own um and kind of put their own star wars stamp on that it's really cool it is cool that is that is that's a good one carlos i would i don't think i would have went there that's i'm glad you brought that one up my pleasure bud uh michelle who's who do you who do you have as your favorite character intro did we lose michelle I think so. Oh, no, my. I muted my microphone. Sorry, I was talking and I just realized my microphone was muted. I'm so <laughs> I know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like really like thinking deeply and going, mm-hmm, I'm what I really just loved this. I was like, oh my god, wait. <laughs> I'm on mute. Anyway, um there's so many. I mean, a lot of I I love Jabba just because Jabba just like the the sheer impact of seeing Jabba for the first time was very like impactful to me but right now like I mean oh that's hard like now I feel like saying Chewbacca introductions are like there's two um but I really loved the Chewbacca introduction in Solo because I thought it was really kind of visually cool um and obviously I love Emphis Nest. Um, and I like Java. I mean, I like who else did I really enjoy? Um 
Yeah, I mean, right now those are the ones in my brain. I can't stop. Well, we're, we're digging. We're digging really deep for some like I've... other characters, but I mean, there's there's three like the Skywalkers, right? Vader the Sky... yeah. storming the tent to be four. Vader, and that's pretty much all. Like, I, there's so many moments where it's just Vader. Like the first time I saw Darth Vader, that's just so. It's just so incredible. Like, I, I can't... I mean, that's going to be at the top for me. And then also the new ways in which they kind of keep it fresh. Every time I see him, I'm just so... I'm, like, in immediately excited. I love that every time you see, like, red light, you know he's going to be there. Well, his, his intro in Rogue One with, with his that big, is, huge shadow cast over Krennic. That was amazing. Oh, on theater, on the big screen, that was unbelievable. Like, I don't think I, I, I think I didn't breathe the entire sequence until, like, close to the very end when you kind of pull out in that wide shot yeah. of him standing there. I think I, I didn't breathe. Like, the first time, like, we knew he was coming out, I was like, <gasps> and then I was just silent the whole time until the end, and then I was hyperventilating. Well, even, even backing it up another minute to seeing Anakin oh in the back to tank was still, was also, oh like, bruh. Whoa. That was amazing too in Rogue One when you see that tank and I I feel like the and that in that film too when we went to I feel like it was that film when we went and you saw him and then he was he comes out and I didn't think I really expected it to be Vader at the beginning but then just the the as soon as the light came on I was like oh my god it's Vader and he's coming he's coming and then just seeing that tank like him floating in the tank was just so it's so creepy so creepy in like the best way like yeah. i just there's something so just deliciously creepy about something suspended in water like just there like well especially I, that I, guy right that that yeah. butcher that oh, terrorist the, that that scourge of the galaxy and you see him just so vulnerable in that tank it's so it, it just right. keeps you so off balance but it's so exciting at the same time it is because in that tank, like he's like just floating and he's kind of almost helpless in a way. But then, you know, as soon as he gets out and he is just like not even a few beats later, he's choking someone like it's just that just the the immense power, di like the the dynamic between his powerful self and the fact that he's just suspended in that tank. And it's it's just that the di the just the difference of mm -hmm. those two. It's so opposite ends. And I just, Vader fascinates me. Every time I see him, it feels like a completely new experience. And I really just kind of love his intro. I'm sure there's so many more that I love. I mean, I loved Obi-Wan's intro too. Like that's one of my top intros. I am obsessed with that. Yeah. Well, we have to, I guess we have to specify that it's it's how we met these characters, right? Because officially yeah. our first intro to Obi-Wan is... Is the Phantom Menace, right? I think yeah. canonically the that's Phantom. the earliest in, in the timeline we, we've ever seen Obi-Wan. But for us, I mean, we growing up on the original trilogy, we we saw Obi-Wan on Tatooine first. Yeah. That, that's I mean, kind of how I attacked the original this. First. It's so hard because like, I mean, I think about it in terms of that too, like where it's like the first time I saw them, right? So like, obviously that would be episode four new hope but then also you're thinking about in terms of canonically like where would be the first time we would be introduced to him in terms of the storyline and when i think about it that way that's why i was like oh that chewy introduction is just so cool 
in the beginning because that's so far solo would technically be in the storyline how we first see him but yeah well, we, might, we've, we saw Chewie in revenge of the sith oh right you we have seen him and in clone wars <laughs> Which is oh my what? god i'm totally forgetting like the timeline in my own brain because i'm so tired and i'm like wait what yeah we did see him in but the i mean first... those are blink and you miss it type uh, yeah roles for chewy in those in those those bits but Corey, what do you got how, how long is your list uh, it's not too too bad i'm gonna keep it real here somewhat let me get warmed up <laughs> All right, uh, so I got a few loopholes. Uh, first of all, I want to say Carlos, good calls with the obviously Obi Wan. Yeah, got to say that. Hello there, Harp. I had Maul too, like in the theaters. That was pretty goddamn cool. Like just with the music, there. Like I don't know, it was it was pretty good. Uh, Chirrut as well. Loved the way he was able to like sense the Kyber crystal. I was like, this dude's cool. He's on oh my something. God. Yes. I forgot yeah. that one. That's such a good one. The, just like what he was saying, the things he was saying, like the brightest stars have hearts of Kyber. I was like, damn, yo. It's <laughs> like, this guy's, this guy's I love awesome. that dude. He's so cool. That was a really great intro. To, I Yeah, I want to add him too. He's great. <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters right now. So still. I thought the, uh, I think Django Fett, the intro was pretty cool. Like, you know, the whole Zam Wessel thing. Like, you know, Anakin's got her and he totally like nails her with the, that dart. And then, and then she's just like, Slamo, whatever. Yeah. And you see like, and you're like, oh, sh-. you're like, Mando, 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 alert. Like, what's going on? Yeah. You're like, what's going on? And I guess, well, I'm going to say Wicket too, because that was oh, pretty. Yes, Wicket. For me as a kid, like, I was like, oh my God. Like, He's like totally cool. And then she's like feeding him. And you're just like, I'm so into this. As a six-year-old, when you see it for the first time, I was like, ah, I just could I'll never forget that. I was like, I love D-Walks, man. I still do to this day. Me too. Um, D-Walk. <laughs> my, my, my somewhat bit of a loophole is I'm going to go with ads and say MV's Nest as well. But not only because we see her in her intro riding her, her speeder or whatever, but uh, – but the mask unveiling, like it's it's you're meeting a new person there. Like it was such oh, a God. great shock that I think it's like it's worthy of kind of trying to make a little loophole there. I'm gonna go to say the same for Kylo Ren when we kind of meet Ben Solo when he takes off his mask for the first time. I was like, <gasps> look at that hair, <laughs> like like oh my God, what conditioner like, does word. he use? Yeah, it's like the, the helmet itself ha- must have some kind of like unit inside it or something like because damn but uh yeah just seeing his face he he doesn't have hat head at all oh no not at all there's something going on in that helmet i'm telling you but yeah those those flowing i don't know when even to this day when i see that that scene it's just like you see his face for the first time i'm like it's one of those moments kind of you know because it's not it's Kylo well, it's, Ren and it's, Ben Solo. It's kind of like seeing Vader in that Bacta tank where you just see you the look on his face, like you see a vulnerable, weak boy. Yeah, or the, the Vader unmasking too. God damn, I love unmaskings. Tell your sister. <laughs> you are right. Um I mean all, all good picks so far. Um I mean I think it goes without saying intros to Luke and Leia are also really, really great and iconic, especially with Leia, yeah. just seeing her 
from a distance putting the disc into R2's dome. That's a yeah, great even the first droids look at Leia. Too. Yeah, the droids. But Luke, R2. like Baru calling Luke, and then the music, there's a change in the music. And David W. Collins on his podcast highlighted that exactly. And like, how do we know Luke is the good guy? And it's because of the change in the music when we when you first see Luke on the farm and you go, that's our hero. And it, that, it's such a great intro because of, of John Williams. Um, I've, I've got a couple of maybe deeper cuts. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Royal Guard, the Emperor's Red Guards, just seeing them for the first time. Like those guys meant business, man. They were just, they were so striking. Everything's black and white and gray. And here are these Red Guards. They were just so cool looking. They stuck, they stood out so, so strongly. Um, I've also got K2SO. His yes. choke slam, his choke slam yeah. on Jin. Congratulations, you're so being rescued. I, I love that intro. Um, one we just got about uh, three or four weeks ago. Beckett, just sort of his silhouette in the smoke and him twirling his blasters and gunslinging like a true maverick. That was, that's that was Wild oh. West stuff, man. That was so cool. And yeah, that Corey, was uh, very uh, Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, I you like that. I like that intro too. <laughs> um, and Corey, I've, I've got a, a somewhat loophole one. Ooh, bring it on, bro. It goes into Rebels, and it's Ahsoka's <gasps> reintroduction <gasps> coming down the ladder. Ooh, that's very good. Typically, well, uh, the... officially not her intro because we've met her in the Clone Wars movie for the first time, but it had been in such a it had been a couple of years that we had seen Ahsoka at all anywhere. Like when she comes down that ladder, that was for me like, oh god, goosebumps! I couldn't believe it. What about the? Let's do a double loophole. The re reintroduction when Ezra saves her. <laughs> that one didn't hit me as hard as her coming down the ladder of the ghost. Yeah, that even was. Though I, that was definitely... Even though I knew that was coming, I think a lot of us knew that was coming, and it was just like wow, like it. It, that that moment just blew me away. That's a beautiful thing, man. So there, I think did, did we mention everybody in the saga? <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like we we I, I mean, we listed a whole bunch there, but I think they're all yeah, worthy. We, I mean, those are all really cool intros. Yep. And I I definitely want to hear from from uh, you guys out there if you've got any of your favorite intros that we haven't listed. Remind us of the ones we forgot. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, ads. Great question, man. Looking forward to next week's. He's on being on ads been on fire lately. That was a good one. All right. Now on to Mr. W. Hall. Bradley W. Hall. Let's check in with Bradley. Hey Timeline Cyber. Bradley here. Not coming from the great state of Texas, but rather New Mexico. We are on vacation. Everybody say hi. So we, uh, we left for vacation yesterday, stayed in Albuquerque last night, and now we're actually headed towards Sedona, Arizona. And we hopefully will be getting to see the Grand Canyon in the next day or so. So we are so excited. We're having a great time. It's a sunny, uh, sunny skies today. Had a little bit of rain and thunderstorms last night. It's not even 70 degrees here where we're at at the moment. And uh, it just is, it's so beautiful. 
and we're having a great time. So my question this week is about Obi-Wan and Chewbacca and the scene in Star Wars where they meet supposedly for the first time at Mos Eisley's Cantina. And my question is, do you think that is actually the first time that they've met? Is it possible that maybe they have met before? And that's why Obi-Wan seemingly uh, goes up to him pretty quickly and starts a conversation with him. And uh, soon thereafter, uh, they're talking to Han Solo and they've got themselves a ship. Uh, so that's my question. Do you think that's the first time they've met? Or is it possible that they've run into one another uh, before? So there you go, guys. Have fun with that question. And uh, y'all have a great podcast. And looking forward to hearing uh, this week's episode. May the force be with you. Always. And there goes Bradley and the whole family. We've, we've never had so- the entire Hall crew. Shout us out before. Sedona bound, baby. <laughs> yeah, they're they're traveling. I've, I've I've I have pictures. I have mental images of the Griswolds in my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so cute. Hey kids, look a deer. <laughs> I'm excited for you guys. Eat my rubber. Let's burn dust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is, I mean, this is a good question. I mean, and it's something that I thought about like way back when Revenge of the Sith came out. And Chewie was some for some reason shoehorned into the Battle of Kashyyyk. Like we know that Chewie knew Yoda well enough that Yoda knew him by name. So I thought maybe Chewie and Kenobi could have crossed paths at one point. And you know the, the possible link becomes a bit tighter again when um, you consider, like we just mentioned a couple minutes ago, that Chewie was in the Clone Wars with Ahsoka, and like we're buzzing very close to Obi Wan here. So I don't know. Maybe could it be like? I, I personally don't see it, but there's there's one line in A New Hope later on in the, in the Death Star scene that kind of kills it for me. So once Kenobi tells Luke that he's going off on his mission, that Luke needs to stay and watch over the droids, that his destiny lies on a different path, he leaves. The door slams shut. Chewie barks something, and Han says, Boy, you said it, Chewie. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Like, to me, that scene reads as though this Good is the riddance. first time that any of that group has been exposed to someone like Kenobi. Like they're so taken aback by how weird he is. Like that's kind of how I read the scene. Like it's not, I know it's not ironclad and Chewie could have been saying something as benign as like, what a weirdo, which doesn't mean they hadn't met before. Like Corey, I've known you for 37 years. And every time I see you, I'm like, wow, what a weirdo. So, (laughs) but I I think personally, if if they want to go with the idea that, Chewie and Kenobi have met before, they need to create some content somewhere to make it a bit easier to swallow. And Han would have to be out of the picture. Because once those two are together, Han and Chewie, they're never really that far from each other. So I don't know, maybe something in the prequel timeline? I don't know, but I I can't see it working in the timeline of Solo up to A New Hope. I don't know, what do, what do you guys I think? Did. Corey, you want to get some first? Here. Yeah, let's do this. Well, we know that Yoda have relations with Wookiees, <laughs> but what? so I, 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 
I thought it was, he has relations with the Wookiees, you know, like I, I thought that was really kind of odd in Revenge of the Sith, like, especially like he knows Chewbacca, like, so through that light, I don't know, necessarily know that maybe Obi-Wan talks directly to Chewbacca, but uh, maybe if we th- can theorize that Obi-Wan and Yoda have been communing somehow, like, you know, maybe he says something along the lines of, you know, if you see this Wookiee, like, maybe, like, take it, this This is a sign or whatever. And the same thing for Chewbacca. He can be, like, like Yoda's pretty powerful. He can, like, put maybe, like, images in, in Chewie's dreams. Like, just picture Chewie, like, running in his sleep like a dog, you know? Like, dreaming of Obi-Wan. But, well, for, and also, that that's another thing, too, which is odd. Like, you just said, like, the whole good riddance thing when Obi-Wan leaves. But, like... Chewie, again, is no stranger to the Jedi and whatnot, which is... Uh, they should have just left that alone. It was too fan service Because, like, you know, when Han's talking about, like, oh, the Jedi, blah, 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 they didn't... Like, he doesn't believe, you know? Like, Chewie'd be like, yo, I knew Yoda, bitch. Like, step off. <laughs> like, I Yeah, that that's why I was always like, why? You didn't have... To, like, I, we all love Chewie. You didn't have to put him on Paddle of Kashyyyk. That's it. Like, granted, he's old and stuff, and he's a player. I don't know. It's That was just, again, too too much for me. But if there's any connection there, it would definitely be through Yoda for me. And again, they don't. I don't think they necessarily need to go there. But there was definitely a connection within that crew. I won't, I won't deny that. Like, the wills. So you're officially saying that... that- the cantina scene is their first meeting. Yeah, it's their first meeting, but I won't say that there wasn't like it, like in your mind right now. Like they they could make it work, right? They could say no. They actually kind of knew each other a little bit beforehand, and here's why like, that possibility is open for you. Maybe I don't know. Like you said, the whole Goodrins thing kind of throws that thing off, or maybe maybe Chewie's selling it. Chewie is a lot wiser than Han. Like, <laughs> might have been like, you know, no, the kid needs to do this. That's right. Like, yeah, let's do this, Obi-Wan. Keep it under lock and key. What about you, Michelle? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was like listening to you guys and I was like, well, I agree. And also, yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm half asleep right now. I'm <laughs> really tired. I was thinking about the shelves that I built today and how much my back hurts right now. And I was like <laughs> listening to you guys and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And that I was right. totally okay. zoned out. Sorry. <laughs> Did you like the um, Chewbacca like, having nightmares part? Like- yes. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yeah. I mean, how could you not hear about Chewie? I feel like um, I, I mean, I feel like he could have heard about him before, but I mean, they could have never met like face to face. I mean, yeah, sorry. It would put a pretty funny perspective on things, though, if we think about it, like, you know, when Han's all excited, like, yo, Chewie, we got a real big fish in the line here. Like, these guys are going to pay us like crazy money. And Chewie's just like big things up, like, uh-huh, <laughs> like, shaking his head. Good. Yeah. Or like, yeah, or it's just kind of like one of those things where... You know, um, you know, people are like, oh, have you guys met before? And you're like, yeah, we've met. 
Like I, th- I think that like when they have that that chat, there's a one shot of Kenobi talking with Chewie, and there's no there's no dialogue. I, part of that conversation had to be Chewie saying to to Kenobi, "You look like a Jedi. Like, did you know Yoda by chance?" Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like when you try to like come up with like people that you might know in common. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Like they they have mutual friends or have, acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I ha- have they met before? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they went to the same like gathering or party, or maybe they had something at the. Je- I don't think Chewie would have gone to the Jedi Academy to like hang out, but like, <laughs> you know, like I'm thinking about it in like a very social aspect of life. Like, what if it was like well, our the world? The fact that we're like uh, reaching like this means that yeah, probably not. They probably don't probably know each not. other. But I don't know. Maybe does Carlos have a second opinion? Carlos, can you can you can you convince us otherwise? I think we lost Carlos oh. again. <laughs> oh boy! Oh dear! All right. Well, I, I let's just assume that Carlos agrees with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't see them like if I don't I I don't see them continuing Han standalone stories. Like I don't know that we're gonna get Solo Part Two, and then we're gonna we're gonna pick up on Tatooine and. Uh, Chewie's gonna have this chance encounter with Obi-Wan and that explains I don't think that's gonna happen like it could you know I can't rule it out Lucasfilm's been very very clever about a lot of things but they'd have to be really clever about this alright Bradley enjoy your vacation sir and hello to the Hall clan hope you all have a great time enjoy the Grand Canyon that's one of the seven wonders of the world man like seriously like I'm I'm, sure there's no way he knew that going into this Corey Either way, <laughs> I'm just saying. Really? It, is it a world wonder? I've never gosh. heard of it before. Brand new I'm just information. Saying enjoy it, man. I was not just talking about the wanting to go to the Grand, Grand Canyon and cry with, with Eve from unmistakably Star Wars like a couple <laughs> days ago. I did not say that. No way. We totally said that. If you guys She's go on, and you she guys, wants if, to go, if you go to, cry with like, Eve at at Grand Canyon. I, you guys have to like oh, tag me totally in an Instagram picture of you two bawling. It. Oh yeah. Like we were we just this conversation and our idea of going to the Grand Canyon to cry and at its beauty <laughs> started on Twitter because she wrote something about it and I was like, girl, I've been wanting to go do that for three years now. Well, actually longer, but like feasibly for four years now that I live in California and it's not super far away from me. Like would you cry um, off like would you try and like pitch your tears off the grand canyon so that they like i mean i could totally lay with my head over the side and like try to drop my eye droplets but i also have a very high survival instinct and i'm trying not to die so i probably wouldn't <laughs> wait you, you, you can gotta... go out onto that like see-through don't they have like a, a like a very dangerous looking walkway that stretches out over the over the gorge Maybe I've never been. For so sure, I don't you could know. like pitch your tears. Yeah, off there's a there. lookout point. I've, I've heard. I mean, if that. I really wanted to, I could probably get like a tiny little jar, like or a test tube, and then cry into it, and then use <laughs> that, and then pour it out. I mean, for me, it probably. Oh, I probably shouldn't say this because then if I ever go, like people, it's probably illegal. But I kind of wanted to take my dad's ashes and like 
pitch a couple of ashes over the Grand Canyon um, because I usually do that when I go travel and I've taken him to like Iceland and Ireland and all these other places but I feel like the Grand Canyon was the place my dad and I wanted to go together and we never got to so I'd probably bring my dad's ashes and pitch that instead of my tears maybe my tears would get mixed in with like it and make a little paste and I could just like write something on the side I don't know I don't really I haven't really thought about it you know, even though I'm sitting here talking about all these specific details. But yeah, I think it is Johnny Jama, man. Victory. Victory. Yeah. The White uh, Room's playing. Oh, yeah. Eve and I are probably going to play like some great Star Wars music, which is a great segue into our next question. Absolutely. But um, we'll probably play some amazing, you know, John Williams stuff and then sit there and marvel at the vast greatness of the universe i mean it seems like the perfect music for that <laughs> so, it is yeah. star wars music is always perfect and that is a great segue to mm-hmm. uh to jeff the metal mando so let's go to bradley again thank you sir have a great time and uh tell us if we can cry over this edge <laughs> <laughs> of one of the cliffs because um even i would really like to know if that would be possible so we request your details. Thank you. Have fun. <laughs> Bradley, you have your marching orders. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, let's check in here with the Metal Mando and let's talk about some Star Wars music. Hey, Tumbling Saber crew. Jeff here from Fort Myers, Florida. This week, I want to talk about Star Wars movie soundtracks and composers, specifically the ones in this new era where um, Disney has... Uh, taking over Lucasfilm, and we had the four films there. And, you know, we have, so far, the non-John Williams composers. We have Michael Giacchino for Rogue One and John Paul for the solo soundtrack. So going forward, who would you guys choose to maybe take that baton and run with it as far as the saga films are concerned in the future? And then maybe the, maybe Benioff and Weiss or the John Favreau streaming service series coming up, maybe some standalone films. Who would you choose to be the composers for those ones. Uh, as far as the saga films, I think what John Powell did with the solo soundtrack, I think he just killed it as far as taking those old Star Wars themes we know and love and incorporating that with his own style. Just really good stuff there, and I think he'd be a great choice for the saga films. And, uh, you know, Michael Giacchino for one of those series upcoming, maybe with a Benioff and Weiss, like I mentioned, or the John Favreau one. Just a great choice. I mean, what he did for the Rogue One, just just a lot of new uh, styles and uh, ideas he brought to the Star Wars universe. You know, really different, but very Star Warsy in the same sense. I think it'd be a great choice there. But, uh, you know, those two are fresh in my memory, and I'd love to see them continue. But, you know, what do you guys' other choices might be for um, some composers that you like that would, you know, be great choices for uh, the saga films or the other stuff we have coming down the road? I'd like to hear that. So my second question is, as far as these new films we have, The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, and Solo, what are the themes to you that stand out the most? You know, kind of like your favorites, but more like, I'd actually say, maybe not favorites, but the ones that you just kind of maybe just walk around the house and you just start just kind of humming out loud for no reason at all, just kind of annoying your wife or kids or whoever's around. That happens a lot, as far as I'm concerned, but... There's a few, and I'm going to give you a couple, yeah, a few of mine, and I'm going to, as a bonus, I'm going to actually give you my own voice clips renditions of these songs. And So, 
the one that just stands out to me the most, number one, just all the time, just blurted it out loud, is the March of the Resistance from The Force Awakens. That one just knocks it out of the park for me. I mean, how can you not deny, you know, that theme, you know, that... Pretty good stuff, right? And uh, sticking with the Force Awakens, you know, Ray's theme, you know, that down, 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 Pretty good. And Rogue One has a, it's called the Imperial Suite. And it shows up a couple times here and there, maybe like uh, when that Death Star kind of comes into view or when you see Tarkin. But that Imperial Suite one really impresses me a lot. I mean, that's something that is so, like, original trilogy to me that could have been those movies, you know, that... Get what I'm saying? Yeah, pretty good stuff. And from the solo film, there's one that just I just keep... I almost have it on a loop, actually. Like, I listen to the solo soundtrack, for some reason I keep listening to the same song over and over again. And there's no way I could do this justice with my own voice clip, so I'm just going to play a little bit of it for you right here. Yeah, that was titled The Marauders Arrive. Definitely one of my new favorites, uh, Rising the Charts Fast. So for this week, guys, uh, yeah, what are going to be your, some of your favorite Star Wars, uh, you know, composers moving forward? And what, what are some of your main themes that you really stick with you from this last era of uh, movies, uh, you know, the Disney era? And can't wait to hear your thoughts this week, guys. And this week on The Metal Mando, and I am out of here. See ya. And there goes The Metal Mando. A couple of great Star Wars music questions. I, I know I can go on all night about this, guys, but uh, we can't do that. So let's uh, let's let's try and wind it up here. Corey, I'm going to c- come over to you first. Since the Disney takeover, what Star Wars music or themes or songs have been your favorite? To be honest, like music hasn't really been my strong point within Star Wars. I kind of just lose myself into it. I, I guess it's like I'm part of the scenery fan. for you. Kind of, yeah. Like I. I I don't res- I'm not going to say I don't respect it, but I don't. Like, to the, oh, not, wow. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm saying to the level that you guys do, like you guys really you're music aficionados in a way like Kyle. I know you're always listening to the music. A lot of people are. I don't really get so much a chance to do that as much. Um, but I, I God, I adore the music. Like I just I'm not as familiar with it. And the themes and like the name of this song or that song. But there's definitely things that I love within that. Um, I, I can't disagree with uh, with Jeff. And the one that stuck out to me the most is Ray's theme as well. Just it's so mysterious and so magical at the same time. Like I've, I absolutely I just think it's so cool. Like that there's so much there that that begs you to like move forward kind of, you know. And 
I, I, I got to give props to some of Kevin Kiner's work. Uh, there was an episode. Oh, man, I can't remember the name now. But the, the name of the song is Into the Star Cluster. I think it's Legends of the List saw it. Yep. So that that's really just lots of cello. I'm I'm down with that. Like it's so heavy and just hits you bring the chest kind of, you know. And another that's one from Rebels as well is uh it's over now where it's basically the the end of season two, Twilight of the mm-hmm. Apprentice, and mm-hmm. Kanan's holding Ezra, and it's just ah, it's brutal, brutal. That that whole scene, blind Kanan holding broken Ezra, like it's ah, just heartbreaking. Oh. Like everything, Ahsoka walking down the tunnel, like oh. Well, I'm glad you threw Kevin time. Kiner's hat in the ring. Like I was gonna do it anyway, but I'm glad you went there. Like, his work on, on Rebels Season 2 is nothing short of amazing. I've not heard a soundtrack yet for Season 3, but Season 2 was amazing. I mean, even just like Rex and Ahsoka reunited. That's a great one. Ah- Ahsoka duels the Inquisitors, where she just beats the shit out of those two Inquisitors. Like, yeah, that was so that, good. That's a great one. Uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. That, that's a really oh, intense yeah. song. Such a good one. A really good one is uh, where the sun sails and the moon walks. That's a that's a pretty chilling song too. Like if you have a Spotify sounds... account, like go go on Spotify and check it out. Like that's that's where you give that a listen. Or even YouTube. YouTube has some decent feeds. Go check that out. It's like Kevin Kiner did some really really good work there. Uh, Michelle or Corey, were you, did you have more? You, and you put race theme out there. What else you got? <sighs> that that's pretty much it, man. Like. To be honest, I like some of the new stuff they did with Solo in the sense Solo they, stuff's really good. Yeah, they got some rock guitar in there. So like I kinda like that little bass. Changing well, you're, it up. You're right. Like I can't remember. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with the track listings yet, but track five, there's a lot of guitar and drum. Like stuff that you would never think you would hear in Star Wars. Like three years ago, if you'd said there's gonna be like a lot of guitar in, in this Star Wars soundtrack, I'd be like, oh my god, what are they doing? But it sounds so great. Anyway, I'm I'm getting all excited. I'm just jumping in all over the place. (laughs) Um, Michelle, what's some Um, of your favorite music? So I love a lot of the stuff you guys were talking about. Um, From the newer stuff, um, one of my favorite pieces is uh, Octu Island. Yes. It's so just kind of rich and it's so kind of, it's, it's it gives me that i like that when they play it as you're kind of looking over the island from that overhead shot it's just the the way that the music kind of soars and builds and there's a cool take on ray's theme that's also kind of intertwined with the music and it's very like mysterious but so grand like it sounds like such a big it sounds like a feature film song like I don't know if this song it would be too big for a, like a small screen version. Like it's just it's so beautiful and just full, and I just love the way that it sounds and it makes me feel. Um, and well, then the, kind the of, music editing, the music editing yeah, for like just, as they cut into Octu Island in the Last oh, Jedi, where Finn says, "Where's Ray?" and it cuts right into Jedi steps. It's so Brilliant that transition, bit of music editing there holy cow it's just 
so brilliant too and it's seamless even though they don't sound like they're so different in the way that it elicits the emotion and the type of kind of beat that it's on it's it's just masterful i like the music is brilliant and i'm obsessed like that song and i also really love um the canto bite song (laughs) it's just so fun and like like it's like the opposite of how um octu makes me feel and that it's just so like it's so perfect and it's and it's just exactly what you kind of want it to be and it gives you that kind of like bouncy kind of space feel i don't know it's just so distinct like it sounds like if so, if someone were to play that song and you're like, what movie is this from? You probably immediately say, oh, I think it's Star Wars. Like, I, I don't know what it is about that, but I just kind of love the bright kind of fun, playful nature to that song. Well, he used toys. Uh, they actually use yeah, toys. Yeah. And I just I love that. One of my favorite things to watch also is I really love like um out of the box percussion. And I think that it's just so beautiful when it works. Like, for example, um, it's totally different. But whenever famous artists go on like Jimmy Fallon and they do the um, kindergarten, like a kindergarten instrument covers or whatever, really famous songs where they play on the little um, xylophone and stuff. It's just so fun. And it brings like a different kind of joyful, weird, bright movement to it, which makes kind of sense when you're kind of walking into the casino and you're kind of hearing this you're seeing all the eccentric different types of people and all the different types of music that kind of pops in and out it's just really cool and it's so different the only description i can give is when it comes on like whether i'm in my car or at home and if my kids hear it they go buck wild they just oh i bet they just start doing this crazy i mean you ever seen a kid do a freak out dance like yes they just go bananas. I do them because that's how I dance. <laughs> just in general, I do weird freak out dances with like pointing and stuff. But yeah, whenever I get frustrated or stressed out, I like turn it on and then I just start dancing like crazy in my room for like five minutes. And then I like, like I can get all the weird energy out and then I can lay down. Again. Yeah, my kids love that like, song. It's such a good song. Like, I, it's just so it's it and it makes sense that kids would like that song because it's just so fun and bright and like it makes you want to dance and do stuff so it kind of makes sense in that scene too because that's kind of you know the the casino that's where they're all kind of gambling and having fun and dancing and all this stuff so it just kind of yeah it's really interesting i really loved well it's crazy that that song as kooky as it is comes from the mind of like an 85 year old right (laughs) it's so weird it's brilliant i just can't it's uh, amazing and um what else did i like um there's another one that i wanted to highlight oh i really liked the um the cave as well Ooh, which is what they intense. play yeah that's really intense but i just i thought it kind of was really perfect for the moment um and and i love that moment when it kind of um goes it kind of strips down into just a few instruments and then like the strings come in after that and it's just kind of it it really illustrates that visual moment and in in a very uh it make expands it in such a full way 
Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Do we have Carlos back? I'm here, guys. There he is. Hey, Carlos is yeah, Sorry. Um, yeah, so my favorite, and I, we've discussed this before, like my favorite piece, um, well, my overall feeling about Michael Giacchino is it's, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of Rogue One's music, but I didn't like that title theme. I thought it was cheesy and like just a poor uh, example of, of something creative. But that said, you get a little bit of the theme in my favorite piece, which is the Master Switch. The, oh, you, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The first two two minutes of that of that piece is incredible. And it's brooding, and it's it's uh, seriously. There's just so much um, buildup, not, not only from what you're hearing, but from what you're seeing on the screen. Well, you can, so just, emotional. You can just imagine. You, you you can see Bays, you know, like uh, cocking his blaster and taking out those Death Troopers. Yeah, well, during that quiet part, right? Like. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, a, it's it, a great bit. Oh man, it's really, it's really, really good. Like for me, that's the. I just love the intensity that the notes are being hit, and then he kind of, he kind of surprises you with with the platter of that opening, that opening of the title, the title scene, and then bang, right back into da da da. Like that kind of, mm-hmm. oh yeah, just really, really well done. I I really enjoyed it. So that's your favorite piece from from the new the... Disney, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a pretty. I, you know what? You probably could have asked twenty people, and I don't know how many people would have come up with that. But that's that's a good one. Oh man, I love it. Really, it just for me, and it sells the movie. Like it really is. Well, that's one of those soundtracks, and I, I know a lot of people like it but also a lot of people don't like it but it's one that you need to uh, sit with for a while and it but it gets it's a soundtrack that gets better as the tracks go on mm. like re- it really starts to pick up steam around track nine or so like midway through it really starts to get good and by the end like one of my favorites from this new era um your father would be proud like that yeah. uh, that's oh. a good one so good that one, that one's just terrific. That's my favorite off that soundtrack by far. Um, yeah, race theme well, and Jedi and steps Jeff, are just. I mean, they're I love so Jedi good. steps. Yeah, Je- Jeff mentions uh, the Empire Suite. Yes, uh, the Imperial Imper- Suite Imperial, is awesome. Imperial mm-hmm. Suite. Yeah, that, that's that's really good too. Well, and I noticed that Jeff really puts a little bit of like a even like when Jeff does his little voice impressions, there it's almost like he's heavy meddling it. <laughs> For sure, I caught that right away. <laughs> So good though. A little, wha- I thought it was like a little whammy bar or, or, or pedal in there at some point too. <laughs> They're um, so similar though. That's just so awesome about it. What's so similar? Like the genre, like the the symphonic music can like translate so easily into like the heavy metal genre, you know? Ah, uh, like the Metallica S and M. They they can't yeah. complement each other. Oh yeah. Um. I think Jeff also mentioned March of the Resistance, which I, I like. My favorite instance of that 
is uh, is uh, during the Battle of Crate with this. You see all thirteen speeders heading out towards the uh, ATM sixes. That's a that's a like again great music editing put to an amazing visual, uh, and that that eventually plays into it. My favorite instance of Ray's theme when the Falcon array uh, like the Falcon arrives on the scene. That's oh man, that just gets me every time. The, the, the last Jedi soundtrack has so much good stuff on it, but it's like a lot of it is old vintage stuff. So I'm gonna skip that for this question. Um, I already mentioned your father would be proud, uh, and I'm still getting to know the solo soundtrack a lot better. But there's there's some good stuff in there. Han's theme is is really good. Uh, Reminiscence therapy again, which is a mashup of of tons of old stuff from the OT. Uh, Marauders arrive really good. Uh, but I think my favorite cue, anyway, I think it's from, it's it's from an underrated part of the Last Jedi. Like it's it's during such an intense part of the movie where Finn and Rose are about to be executed, and Holdo is watching in horror as as her plan falls apart and the the, sh- the transports are being picked off. So she swings the Rattus around, and you know, like raising a tug of war with Kylo for the lightsaber, and this is like where the cue really starts to pick up. Like it's it happens right when Hux shouts fire on that cruiser, and there's just this huge crash of cymbals, and everything loud in an orchestra happens in that moment. It's just the intensity of that moment is just so so good. You, that that sequence is available on YouTube. Just just search um, hold a maneuver, and just listen to the music in that like two and a half minute sequence. It's it's so good. It's so underrated. What sucks is that that is that that bit of music is not on the last Jedi soundtrack except for in the finale during the closing credits and it's it's different than what appears in the film but yeah you got you got to check that part out it's seriously like probably my favorite bit of music in the new dizzy era so far all right so there you go there's there's our favorite music from this new disney era but what about like who would we choose to start doing like what composers are we picking to do star Wars music after John Williams is done? Or if you want to stick them with Favreau, this is like, this is a really open-ended question. Uh, Carlos, which, which other composers do you want to see working on star Wars? Uh, that's, it's really tough. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it, really it's getting tough. easier though, because it, before it was like, well, no, it's, if it's not John Williams, it can't be anybody, but yeah. we're loosening up now. Yeah, just the fact that we already have uh, two different um, composers already on, like having worked on on movies uh, and not really destroying them. <laughs> so it makes you know it kind of reassures a little bit. Uh, I'd love to see what uh, Michael Giacchino can do um, with more than six weeks. Mm-hmm. To, Absolutely, to, yeah. To to do a to do a soundtrack, I think. He'd be able to come up with, uh, and and what he already came up with was some of the stuff like really really good. But that title, ugh, that title. Oh, you know what we didn't mention when uh, the hall, the Vader hallway scene. Oh my god! Oh. Which, which is it's it's the Imperial March just slowed down. It's yeah. so good. Genius. So genius. Sorry, Carlos. Continue. <laughs> That's all good. Um, yeah. So. I'd love to see him get another shot for sure. 
John Powell, well, obviously, for Solo, did a really good job. And these guys are smart. They know what they're doing. They know which cues to take from from the originals. And it's it's I'm not gonna say it's easy for them, but a lot of the stuff is already um, part of the fabric. So if you're telling a story uh, about X character who has already appeared in previous movies, it, it becomes a lot easier to build around. Sure. Uh, because of everything John Williams already did. Yeah, the groundwork but is there. You, yeah, and, and but when you look at what John Williams did for race theme, um, you know, you're getting the little, the little piano at the beginning, and then it builds and it swells, and he brings in so many other, uh, so many other instruments. He's got a cellist in there too. Yeah, big time. Those little bells big at the time. beginning. Yeah, so you know, I, I think uh, who they have already on the on the on their list has done a good good enough job to come back uh, as far as others i mean you could say anything uh, danny elfman or, or no. hans zimmer or uh, no no hans no. zimmer no <laughs> no i know who i, mean, I what want I mean is, what i mean is you can say so many other names but like uh, i trust lucasfilm by picking out these two guys because I had I hadn't heard of them before, and they they did a. I'm not gonna well, say no, I know what you mean. Like it, it it speaks to the unassuming role the composer gets yeah. in terms of uh, the overall scope of a movie. Because when you look at the bodies of work of Michael Giacchino and John Powell, like these guys have done it all. Like they're not John Williams, obviously, but they have done some huge movies. Huge, like it's ridiculous the work that these guys have done, and they're they're Oscar nominated guys. Like, they're not nobodies. They're huge names in the composing world. Just for us, it's like John Williams or Bust. Yeah. So I, I know what you mean, Carlos. But yeah, like for me, like a guy like Hans Zimmer or uh, like Howard Shore, both are great, but I feel like they don't, like th these guys could not do Star Wars. It's almost like if you had Tom Hanks in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, it just, you, you can't see anything but tom hanks no matter who he yeah. plays you're like oh that's tom hanks like i think a hans zimmer sound soundtrack would stand out for the wrong reasons i don't know that that's kind of my take on that um like one guy i wish i wish he was still with us so that he could actually give us his his spin on star wars is um michael Kamen, who did the score for iron giant mm. but he passed away years ago so that's that's not going to happen, but like, do you do you guys feel like the trilogies should have one guy doing it, and then, um, like the standalones continue to be one-offs depending on like the flavor of that movie and availabilities and all that stuff. I I think standalones should be like like you said, like anybody can do it, kind of depending on the genre. But like Ryan Johnson's uh, trilogy, for example, like. I would like to see the same composer tackle all three films. 
that makes sense to me. And I, yeah, I, I wonder, like, uh, uh, Ryan Johnson has a cousin who's worked with him before. He did the score for Looper, Brick, The Brothers Bloom. Like, I wonder if if Ryan says, I, I'd love to work with my cousin on my trilogy. Seriously, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, usually directors have their favorite score person. Like, a lot of people typically use the same like the same person that they that scores most of their films like they have a favorite composer that they like to work with that works with their shorthand and kind of understands orally what they want to list that they want to translate you know the visual into and um so i feel like you know that could be a huge possibility in terms of working with all three doing all three films i think it'll be more plausible to work with a composer for all three films if the same person is directing all three i think that will kind of make more it's like a symbio symbiosis of the two that works well together and i feel like it'll be easier for someone to stay on as a composer for all three if the director is the same, I think, um, not that it hasn't happened before, but I feel like, you know, especially with that, I mean, if you, if a new director comes in, they might not want to hire that same composer. They want, might want to hire their own person or whatever. So I feel like when it's the three, it would make sense. Um, I also agree in terms of like the Hans Zimmer, Alexander Desplat, like they're really fantastic, but, um, I don't know. I think I would try. I, I would be. I would be interested to see more kind of experimental composers do score do the scores of the um, standalones. I would be interested to see kind of newer, not newer faces, but people who are kind of a little bit more unknown. I, I mean, un, not just unknown because like some of the people I'm going to talk about are not necessarily unknown. They've worked on pretty enormous films and um shows but um i really love uh i don't know how to say his name so i might butcher it so i'm really sorry but um he's not listening ramen ramen jawadi who does the score for west westworld and oh, did game of, doesn't he do game um, of thrones he did game of thrones as well mm-hmm. i have a feeling he might he might get hired onto the um benioff weiss that's a film, good call that's which a, would be that's, really that's cool because I love what he's been doing on Westworld and just take it's even though it's not the way that he can take songs like Paint It Black and like very iconic, huge tracks and kind of make them into these very beautiful piano pieces. And that happened. I think Paint It Black he did for season one last year, piano. And then this season there's um this thing called I don't I mean am I I, can I talk about this without spoiling it um there's a take on another take on it in the second season that has a little bit more of a Japanese ethnic like Japanese feel to it with like shamisen and a little bit more of that Asian instrument feel and the way that he can make it sound different but then you listen to you're like I know this song where do I know it from so I feel like he can do that well so him taking iconic themes that were written by John Williams and interpreting them in his own fresh way 
I think he would be really great for that. So I would be really excited to see um, him, his translation or his version and take on Star Wars scores. And I think that we could possibly see that in the Benioff Weiss trilogy. Yeah, that's a, that's a smart call, Michelle. And it's and it's a little different. It's a little a little bit kind of not the typical composer would go for. Um, I also really love Dustin O'Halloran, who um, has done. Uh, he did Lion and Marie Antoinette, and um, I think he also did. He did a did he do a I think he did Arrival. Anyway, he's fantastic. He and his brother have um, a neoclassical like ambient music duo that I've seen live and they're amazing, like so fantastic. And um, his music is very moody and evocative and is not as kind of straightforward of a pick, but I really love the way that his music translates mood and um, kind of, he has this kind of eerie, mysterious dreamlike quality to his music that I think would be really cool. Um, in, in in a Star Wars way in terms of like a lot of the more uh, cinematic big sound moments that um, we've seen kind of in the vein of uh, The Last Jedi or like the newer Disney film and I feel like it would be really interesting to see his take on it as well. Um, well you gotta imagine like some of these guys must like they have their own style but I think yeah. if they come into a Star Wars movie maybe they they kind of I don't know if they if they change their style but they they kind of know the it the evolves sandbox a little that, bit yeah like you know exactly. the ground rules of of doing a star wars soundtrack so maybe well i think even if they came in like they would still i still think the force theme would still carry over into any star mm-hmm. wars property no matter what oh yeah totally so but they it would still be have their... common dna yeah and it would be but it would just be a different fresh take on the interpretation of it yeah. which i think is is it's i mean if we're doing this with directors and trying to kind of change up you know the universe in new fresh ways i feel like it's also interesting to take new a little bit more of kind of this new guard of of composers who've kind of come out and have been doing very impressive work but are not as straightforward or obvious as like a Hans Zimmer or an Alexander yeah. Desplat or someone who's been winning a lot of these awards. But I mean, these guys are also not have been nominated before um, and they're and doing they really cost less. Work. And they I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's kind of cool to kind of come up with, you know, when you're bringing a whole new kind of group of directors onto a big project to also bring in kind of fresh blood in terms of music too, because you want to make sure that there's no way that that music could be stagnant, I think, because it's just so iconic and important. And as soon as you hear it, it's recognizable, but you also want to kind of make it interesting and fresh. And I think some of the pieces that I really loved um, in the Disney era are really cool interpretations of moods and scenes that also really cleverly intertwine some of those larger thematic um recognizable star wars moments and i would kind of be really excited to see a little bit more experimentation and picking a little bit like more more younger composers who are still in their 30s and 40s yeah Uh, that's i think that's key i think it's really key i think they need to find somebody in that age bracket somewhere maybe maybe stretching it to 50s 
because I think Star Wars is uh, going to really crank out a lot of product over the next uh, couple of decades. So if someone's in their 50s, they can still hang around for 20 years and, and, and do good work. But uh, you're right, though. Maybe something a little bit off the beaten path instead of the Alan Silvestri's and Danny Elfman's and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Corey, yeah. Carlos, do you guys want to throw any other names into the hat before we uh, call it a night? I got nothing, man. Like, I, I don't know enough about the subject matter, to be honest. Like, I even Googled it. I looked at some stuff. Kyle just said it. Alan Silvestri, Back to the Future. Like, you know what? So cool. Let's just be thankful for what the ground lay, uh, the groundwork that Luke... Um, John Williams. John, John Williams is laid forward is... I don't know. It's just so many people. There's so many right. ways to play off it. And I'm thankful for that. And I think a lot of people can get this job done given the circumstances, you know, like depending on the film. But I think all future films should always play off that to a certain degree. And uh, a lot of people could pull it off at that point. And there's so many names that we just don't even know. Like, Michelle, you've you've rattled off some names tonight that I'm not familiar with them whatsoever, but I'm sure they're fully capable of doing this. Like when John Williams took on, you know, Star Wars, by Star Wars, he was known. But when he took on Jaws... I don't, he wasn't a big name, I don't think. No, he wasn't. You gotta take a chance on some people that, that, you know, you, you have a good vibe with them. You understand where they're coming from and they get you and it's magic I mean, it'd be happens. Cool. It'd be cool to kind of, you know, have that next John Williams come out of, you know, working on projects like this. Yeah. That's how you're able to kind of discover the next quote unquote John Williams is by giving younger composers a chance at these larger properties and letting them kind of really work hard at it and show what they're made of, you know, and and being like, Hey, you know, I know that you all know this music, but here's my version of it. Yeah. And how fresh and new is this take? Like, it sounds like a completely new song. Like that's the kind of thing that they want to be showing. And that's, you know, them proving their worth and all of the experience they've had on working on these different newer films and being able to bring that to the table. I think a fresh new sound would be really cool. That's still very, um, yeah, I mean, it can't be so far removed, but it's, it's got to have a new twist. Carlos, do you have, do you have the next John Williams in mind or you, have you tapped out as well? No, I'm tapped. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, Jeff, look what you did, man. <laughs> we, yeah. we talked about music for probably longer than anything else in, in recent memory. So thanks for that, Metal Mando. Actually, that, that's a lot of fun. I could have, I can talk about Star Wars music all night, but uh, at some point we got to pack it in and go to bed, which is what we're going to do. We're done. Jeff, man, everybody, thank you so much for your voicemails this week. Great work as always. Thank you so much for listening to episode 131. Really, really means a lot to us. And uh, let me thank Rob Wade, one of our great powerful friends and the host of Talk Star Wars and Emotionally 14, uh, for sharing this episode on his podcast or on his website. And uh, mentioned once in a while on the Crazy Train podcast, which which is good for a lot of laughs. So go check that out. And uh, this week, Worthy Recognition is back with... uh, should I should I tell everybody who it is? Yes. It's gonna be the Metal Mando. Nice. He's on the spot now. He can't he can't back out now. He's on the spot. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to talking to Jeff this week and giving you guys a dose of the Metal Mando. 
And if you want to hear that episode, you can become you can do so by becoming a powerful friend at patreon.com slash tumbling saber. There you go. So come come sign up for just a couple dollars a month. You'll get early access to that podcast and so much more stuff. Sith Disturbers, uh, Journals of the Willing, Saber Rattling, all that stuff will come to you early. And you also get into the uh, into our draws for our awesome prizes that we give out at the end of every month. So go do that. Go check out patreon.com slash tumbling saber and uh, join us. And also, you got to go check out the Star Wars Commonwealth Network. We are a proud member of that group. And they're going to have another stellar week of podcast content. So go check out starwarscommonwealth.com or Star Wars Commonwealth on Apple Podcasts. Before we get out of here, we got to share with everybody where they can find us on the Twitter machine. Corey. So, uh, you can find me at the Chop Rules with a Z. And Carlos. At C Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram. Just uh, search for me, Carlos Candido, on Facebook or Carlos Candido Music, uh, CarlosCandidoMusic.com. And Michelle. Um, you can find me on the Twitter and the Instagram at tediously underscore brief. And you can find all of my nerdy fun things and all my bookshelves and all my collection updates and everything at traveling book nerds on Instagram. And, um, I talk about nerd stuff, so you can come talk to me about that stuff there. Awesome. And you can find me, of course, at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Come check out our private, closed Facebook group where we get to nerd out all day about the galaxy far, far away. You can do that in, in relative peace. Nobody bites in the group yet, so come join us there. You come, uh, you just apply. Or I mean, it's not even apply. It's ask you to become part of the group, and we let you right in. And uh, it's a lot of fun, so come join us there. And uh, if you can't do that, then we'll join you in the next episode of the podcast, episode 132. That'll be coming at you next week. So thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you later. Wake up to illusions, delusions fill my mind. Your voice is sending shivers, you shall ride through my spine.